Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. We hope today's message encourages, inspires, and empowers you to follow after Jesus like never before. Before we get into today's teaching, I want to invite you to join us live at one of our services at any of our three campuses in West Virginia, or join us as we stream live online. For more information or to save your seat at one of our services, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. Now let's check out today's message. So last week we kicked off uh, a, a message, and I'm going to finish kind of a part two of what Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit. Last week we were in John chapter 14 through 16, and we looked at <clears throat> those passages there where Jesus taught about the fact that it would actually be better for him to go away because he was uh, the Lord. Uh, God would send a helper that would go with them and stay with them. He talked about this helper, that this helper was going to lead them. He was going to teach them. He was going to remind them of him and, and, and that he would convict them of their sins and, and, of, and of judgment, righteousness to come, that he would be there to kind of help them make sure that they stay on the, the right track by bringing conviction into their life. And, and he told them that the Spirit of God will always point to Jesus and testify of him. So even in moments of persecution and 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 hard times that the Spirit of God is there to just keep our focus back where it needs to be on Jesus. And then after Jesus rose from the dead, so that was the last time that he was with his disciples before he died, the last time that he, w- he preached and the last message that he preached after he died was at his ascension. And we see that take place in Acts chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, Open up to Acts chapter 1, and we're going to read there because Jesus continues to speak on the Holy Spirit, and he's reminding them of what he had told them at the Last Supper about the Spirit of God that would be coming. Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says that they, he told them to stay with them, and he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise from the Father, at which you have heard of me. And so the promise he's talking about is the helper that he told him about in John 14 through 16. And, and so he goes on and he says, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now I want to kind of teach you some things and kind of draw some uh, things here so that you can understand because I know there's a lot of different teachings out there about the Holy Spirit and, and all of that. And one of the things that some people teach is that you cannot be saved without receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that that is the sign that the Spirit of God is inside of you that you speak in tongues. And as we go through this sermon, I'm going to show you multiple reasons why that's a little bit of a misunderstanding as to what uh, Jesus was teaching there. And, and one of them starts here because Jesus told his disciples that they will be baptized with the Holy Spirit or they're going to encounter the, uh, the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to think about this real quick. How many of you think that Jesus' disciples were saved when they were with him? And they cast out demons in his name. They healed the sick. They left everything they had. They forsook, for, uh, for, forsook, for, yeah, that's the word, forsook everything. 
to follow him and, and everything. Like his disciple, I mean, why would Jesus leave to his, his church to a bunch of unsaved people? Like, I mean, he's entrusting them with his church. They, they knew Jesus. They knew of the Father and everything. They were, they were people who were disciples and followers of God. Okay, but yet, even though they were followers of God, Jesus said, there's still something else that you need. And the something else that you need is the baptism. And he even talks about the two baptisms there. He said, there's a baptism of repentance, which John the Baptist baptized you with. So when you put your faith in Christ and, and everything and you were baptized, that was a baptism for repentance, to turn away from uh, the lifestyle that you were living before and head down a different path and live for God versus living for yourself. But then he said, but there's something else here. There's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And remember, we talked about this last week that, that John said in John, in, in, in John 1, John the Baptist said that he was told that the person that the Spirit of God came down on and remained, that that would be the person who would baptize them with the Holy Spirit. At Jesus' baptism, we're going to pick up here and read here, Matthew chapter 3. It says, I baptize you with water. But there is one who is coming after me that is mightier than I. This is John the Baptist speaking here. Whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So when we turn our life over and ask God to come and live in our heart and we're gonna live our life for you, that's the baptism of repentance. That's when the Spirit of God comes in, he leads you, guides you, directs you, and, and lives within you, okay? But here he says, John says, I, all I can do is help lead you to repentance. I can lead you to God, but I can't baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That is a separate thing. Now, so, so you see two different baptisms here, one for salvation and repentance, the other one with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The word here for baptize in Matthew 3 and in Acts chapter 1 is the same Greek word. The Greek word is baptizo. Now, the word baptizo means this. It means to immerse. It means uh, like to the point of where you are dripping wet. Now, let me kind of give you a little illustration. Now, if it starts raining outside and it's kind of sprinkling rain a little bit, if somebody comes inside and you're kind of observant, you may see a couple little, uh, their, their shirt's a little bit darker where it's wet and that type of thing. And so you observe that they've been in the rain because there's a little bit of moisture or something that may be on their shoulder, right? But if you're not observant, you may completely miss the fact that they were outside in the rain because you're not paying attention to the couple little drips that are there. Now, if someone were outside and one of these storms like we've seen lately kind of blow through where the rain is coming sideways and, and like it's like a monsoon kind of coming down out there, if that person walks into a building after being in the rain like that, they look like they've jumped in a swimming pool, like they're soaking wet. Anybody ever been caught in a storm like that? And so you got water like running down your face, your clothes are completely wet. When you walk, your, your, your shoes are squeaking, there's water dripping behind you, it's dripping off of you, why? Because you weren't just sprinkled with a little bit of rain, you were immersed in the rain. 
And see, this is what Jesus is saying. Like, there is a level of, when the Spirit of God comes in you, that, that it's like the sprinkling of a rain. But God has something greater in a baptism to where he wants it to be to the degree of where, when you're baptized in the Spirit, people know it because you're around, when you're around. There's evidence of it. They see it. They see the way that you talk to people. They see the way that you interact with people. They, they see the way that you, uh, uh, you know, you got a smile on your face. There's joy in your life. And it, there, there's evidences that the Spirit of God is inside your life. Have you ever been around someone that when you're around them, like you almost feel like you've been in the presence of God because you know they've been in the presence of God? Like there's a they're excited about God. They're excited to serve. They love people, all that. The first time I ever met John Bevere, it was kind of that situation. We picked him up from the airport and I was taking him to a men's conference uh, uh, that, that he was going to be speaking at. And his plane was a little bit late and they hadn't eaten or anything. And so we've got to get to the other side of Baton Rouge in Baton Rouge traffic, which is crazy. Like uh, bumper to bumper, you know, they have all this road construction and stuff. You, you can't just easily get around it. And, and so we have to stop real quick to try to get him something to eat. We go into the place real quick to get him some food. And when we're in there, like the, the lady burned his food, put the wrong stuff on his wrap. Like, I mean, totally botched the order that he had all together. And like me, like, you know, there's the pressure. We got to get him here and stuff. Like, I'm, I'm starting to get a little aggravated. Like, I'm, I'm a little bit upset for him. Like, come on, man. We, we waited here in line, and you're going to burn the food and, and all that. And he was just like, oh, well, that's okay. Look, don't worry about that. I'll just scratch that off. And, 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 and I, I don't want, we can just scoop that to the side. We don't even need that. You know, I, I, you, you look like you might just be having a bad day. Is there anything I can pray with you about? like all this stuff and and like he's he's the one that is in a hurry to go preach and he's and the one whose sandwich has been burned and he's worried about ministering to the person right now and I'm like good lord I need more Jesus in my life because I, I I just I ain't got it like I'm ready to tell the person like what are you doing do your job you know that type of thing and, and he's just like is there anything I can pray with you about like I mean talk about like conviction in that moment why? Because I, I had a little sprinkling. <laughs> he was immersed. And it was obvious, not just to me in that moment, but it was obvious to the, the people that were in the room that were they're seeing what was going on. It was obvious to the people behind us in line. Like it, it, was, it was obvious. And that's where the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God wants it to be obvious that the Spirit of God is inside of us. To where we don't have to wear our Christian t-shirts or speak in King James or, or have a Jesus fish on the back of our car for someone to think that we're a Christian. But they can see the Spirit of God inside of us. I'll give you another passage of scripture that shows these are kind of two different things. In Acts chapter 19, uh, Paul uh, encounters Apollos and some Christians that were in Corinth. And it says that as it happened at the time uh, when Apollos was in Corinth, that Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. Okay, so in other words, there he found some Christians. 
These are people who are already following Christ, okay? They're disciples of Christ. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And he said, no, we haven't even heard of this Holy Spirit. He says, well, how are you baptizing? And they say, into John's baptism. And then Paul says exactly what John the Baptist said in Matthew chapter 3. Paul says, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people that to believe in the one who was going to come after him, that is Jesus, on hearing that they were baptized in the name of Jesus, verse 6, and Paul prayed for them, laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began to speak in tongues, and they began to prophesy. So I want you to notice something here. The minute that someone was baptized in the Holy Spirit, it wasn't just going back to business as normal. It wasn't just existing in life and, and kind of going through the motions of things. Like people noticed something inside of them. There were gifts that were inside of them that now are coming out of them, that, that, that they're beginning to operate in and, and, and stuff. When you, when you look, like here in, in Acts 19, they begin to prophesy. They begin to speak in tongues, which are two of the gifts of the Spirit that are listed in 1 Corinthians. And so that the, the Spirit of God began to work in them. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came, the, the disciples, and not just the disciples, and not just people, Peter. Peter gets all the credit for preaching the message in Acts chapter 2, but it says that all the disciples when, and the people that were up in the room, when they came out of the upper room, that they were speaking in unknown language. They were speaking in tongues. Now, let me differentiate some things here. Because a lot of people will say that the only way that you can see that the Holy Spirit is in your life is if you speak in other tongues, talking about like a heavenly prayer language, like the gift of the Spirit of praying in tongues. That was not what they were operating in in Acts chapter 2. Because the tongue that they were speaking was another language that they didn't know, but they were speaking. So when they came out, you know, the, his disciples and stuff were Galilean, and, and, and so that, 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 they were uneducated people. But yet they come out, and they begin to speak in another language. Some of them were speaking Persian. Some of them were speaking Median. Some of them were speaking different languages. And not only were they speaking a different language, but it was being able to be interpreted, and it says that they were speaking of the one wonders of God and they were speaking of the works of Jesus and so it wasn't that I speak in tongues that means I had the Holy Spirit and that means I'm saved it was a totally different thing they were preaching a message in another language that they hadn't learned and so people in that moment begin to grasp at straws to figure out, well, what's going on? You know, how is it that, that they do this? And, and then they're just like, oh, well, they're, they're drunk. It's gotta be it, they're just drunk. Now, look, I'm gonna ask you a question and you're gonna have to lay down your halos to the side for just a second. Because I know we're in church and we're not supposed to actually show that we, you know, we're heathens or anything before we were saved. But I'm, I'm gonna ask, this question, I want you to be honest with me, okay? Can, can, can you be honest with me? This is yes. All right. Yeah, pastor. It depends on the question, pastor. I don't know. <laughs> How many of you, B.C., before Christ, not, 
have ever been drunk. My Lord, look at all the drunkards in here. You heathens. Follow-up question to that. How many of you, when you were drunk, started speaking in Russian? How many of you, when you were drunk, started speaking in Mandarin? Or Swahili, or Siswati, or Portuguese? Anybody? I don't see any hands up. Why? Because you don't, being drunk, begin to speak a language you've never been taught. It doesn't happen. And you definitely aren't preaching a message in a language that you haven't taught about Jesus. So it sounds like a little bit of a silly thing to draw the conclusion, oh my goodness, they're speaking in my language. They've never known it before. They must be drunk. <laughs> Drunkards. But why did they do that? Because they were trying to understand how something could happen that they, they couldn't understand. They couldn't piece it together. And unfortunately, a lot of people, because they don't understand the Holy Spirit or because they've seen people misrepresent the Holy Spirit, they just try to come up with their best version of what it could be or what it could mean. Because it's easier to, or, or just write him off altogether. And well, and the gifts and things, they don't work anymore. Like, I've, I've encountered these types of situations. We had a, a guy uh, who wanted to go to a mission school, and he was looking at a couple different mission schools, and, and uh, he was asking me which one that I thought that he should go to. And, and I'd heard of one of them, and I didn't know anything about the other one. The one that I heard of was a really charismatic type thing, probably a little more charismatic in, in, in things than what I am. And, 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 thing, and so and I was like, well, what about the other one? And he sent me the, the website, and I kind of look at the, their, their doctrinal statement and kind of reading some things that they had posted there. And I noticed that they didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit anymore, that they, they believed in the succession of the, the gifts of the Spirit. And I just asked him, I just told him, I was like, listen, you know, I, I don't think that I agree everything that this one does. And, 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 you know, but I would lean towards someone who understands who the Holy Spirit is and the gifts of the Spirit because you don't want to be on a mission field doing ministry in your own strength. You don't want to be facing witch doctors and, and you know, facing that type of darkness and stuff and not understand who the Holy Spirit is and the power that you have inside of you through him and everything. I said, but before you write them off, why don't you just ask them? I just asked him, where are you when it comes to this? And so he asked them, he called them up and, and, he, and uh, he said, well, they told me that because they couldn't explain some things and because they had seen people misrepresent the Holy Spirit and they knew that wasn't God, that they just kind of avoid that subject altogether. And I said, well, it sounds like me that they're going to train you to go onto the mission field in your own strength. And I mean, God told Zechariah, it's not by your might and it's not by your power, but it's by my spirit. Says the Lord, you, you need to go, you need to lean and go to the other, other place. But the spirit of God, we, we've wrapped it up in the tongues and that, that's kind of been the thing. 
But in Acts chapter 2, tongues wasn't the only thing that was there. The people began to meet together. They began to pray for one another. They began to sell their things and give it to people. Like there's a spirit of generosity that was there. They saw miracles and things being performed uh, through people. Like it, it, it was, there were so many other things than just that one thing. But the enemy wants us to get caught up on one thing that we can't understand and argue about it. So that some people make it the primary focus. And almost like tongues is an idol. And then other people just want to do away with the gifts of the Spirit altogether because they've seen it misrepresented. And can I tell you something? The disciples didn't get what Jesus was talking about here either. In John 14 through 16, he had already taught them. Here, he says, wait, the Spirit of God's going to come. And you know what their response was? So it says, when they came together, they asked him, so is this when the time is going to be restored for the nation of Israel to be restored? Is this, is this what it's about? And Jesus is like, oh, my gosh. Do you not remember after I washed your feet, I taught you about heaven, told you God's going to send a helper. It's better for me. To, y'all don't remember this? And he just kind of, look, the times and those seasons, that's up to God. But verse 8, he says, but. Don't worry about those things. Realize this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, that word power is, we looked at it last week. It's the word dunamis. That, that word dunamis means the power to work miracles. That, that word dunamis means the power to live a moral life and to, to walk morally before God. He says you will receive that power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You'll, you'll have boldness to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Well, right before this is where Matthew 28 is, when Jesus told them to go into all the world. He's telling them, I'm not even going to send you to go do ministry in all the world until first the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Otherwise, you're going to go in your own power. But instead, you need to go to the power that I offer. And that power is going to come when the Holy Spirit baptizes you and you're immersed in the Spirit of God. Now, some people will, again, kind of argue things here about the the. the tongue you know, because they'll say well the first time that the holy spirit showed up they prayed in tongues so that means if you're saved and the spirit of god lives in your life then that means you got to pray in tongues and the reason why they draw those conclusions when you study scripture there's a thing called the principle of first mention so the first time that something is introduced in scripture it sets a precedence for everything else so what happened there kind of sets a precedence for the, the way other things are going to happen and so they say because Acts chapter 2 is where the Holy Spirit arrived and there was tongues, then that means you can't have the Holy Spirit in your life unless there's tongues. However, there's a big flaw right here. That's not the first time the Holy Spirit is revealed in Scripture. It's not even the first time the Holy Scripture is revealed in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 3, the Spirit of God came down in the form of a dove, rested upon Jesus. Very next verse, chapter 4, verse 1, the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. Spirit came, Jesus moved, right? Other places that the Spirit of God is mentioned is uh, in John uh, chapter 1. 
It says that uh, there's, there's a prophecy there that John the Baptist was going to be filled with the Spirit of God even when he was in his mother's womb. And then there's another lady who the Spirit of God came upon and filled her. You, you remember the, the, uh, Mary? What The Spirit of God came upon, conceived a child, right? Mary goes to see her cousin Eliz- Elizabeth, and who was John the Baptist's mom. When, when she walks up to Elizabeth, it says that John the Baptist, who was the baby in, in Elizabeth's belly, leapt. And then it says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she began to prophesy and say, blessed are you among all women. Because you, you, you're giving birth to the Son of God. Here already is three or four examples in the New Testament of the Spirit of God filling someone. And it's definitely not the first time that the Holy Spirit showed up. You have to go all the way back to Genesis 1 for that. Verse 2 talks about how... The earth was without void, it was void and without form, and there was waters. And it says, the Spirit of God hovered among the waters. And then God would speak, and the Spirit would perform the work. God would speak, and the Spirit would perform the work. God would speak, and the Spirit would perform the work. Everywhere you see the Spirit come, there's work being done. There's a manifestation of the Spirit. Jesus said that the manifestation of the Spirit is going to be, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the world. You're going to be able to do the things and be equipped and empowered to do the work and the ministry that I have. But here's the sad part about it. Not everyone will seek or wait or desire the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because some people will be taught, oh, it's not, it's not it. So they, they're resistant to it. Some people, they're just, they're just glad they got fire insurance and they can make it to heaven one day. And so they're not really looking to do anything great for the kingdom of God anyway. So we'll leave that up to the pastors. We'll leave that up to missionaries. We'll leave that up to worship leaders. And they can do that. As long as I have Jesus and my sins are forgiven, I'm good. But there's even a problem with that. Because the dunamis power is the dunamis power that helps empower you to live a moral life. And that's why so many people who love God and are believers struggle in areas of sin because they're trying to defeat sin in their own power versus accessing the power of the Holy Spirit that God gave them in order to walk free from sin. That day when Jesus said, that he was going to baptize them in the Holy Spirit to go to the upper room. There were 500 people who heard that. Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit of God falls, there's only 120 people that are left in the room. Three-fourths of the people got busy or distracted doing something else and left. Now think about this. That's not me saying, hey, y'all need to wait in this room because the Holy Spirit's going to come, okay? This is the son of God who was dead, but now is alive. If you talk to a man who was dead and now is alive, it's probably a good thing to listen to what they had to say. Especially if you saw him crucified, 
and beaten and everything. He raises from the dead. You know this is Jesus and the Son of God. So he's already performed that miracle, but now it's not even that. As he's preaching his last sermon, he's being taken up in the clouds, and you're watching a man ascend into heaven in the clouds that was recently raised from the dead, you would think that you would stay in that upper room because there's something special about this guy. But three-fourths of the people left. What that shows us is that you're not going to have an Acts 2 type of outpouring of the Holy Spirit without Acts 1 obedience and hunger for the Spirit. In Acts 1, they stayed, they prayed, they sought God, they wanted his will to be done. They, they were even trying to figure out who was going to take Judas's place and everything. They were on their face seeking God, and because they were in prayer and everything, then the Holy Spirit came and, and encountered them there. And then they were able to go out and do the ministry that God had called them to do. You see, some of us sometimes in our life, we maybe we spent that time in prayer and we asked God and prayed for God to send his spirit and you felt the power of God. You felt the presence of God. You felt the peace of God. You felt the joy of God. You, you knew that you encountered God in some way. But then over a course of time, life happens, busyness happens, heartache happens, different things and now it seems like that power that you used to be a person of faith who would go and tell people about Jesus. You used to be someone who would speak the truth in love. You used to be that, but yet now it seems like it's fading. We have anybody who would be honest like, yeah, like there was one time I truly encountered the Spirit of God and I knew there was a difference in my life. But I've watched it fade. Can I tell you something? All you got to do is ask and he'll give it back. That's why he said, ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Not because he wants you to beg, but because he's saying, I've always got more to give you. I am a God of more than enough. And I will, I, if you keep coming to me, then I'll give it out. I'll give it to you. In Acts chapter 4, you see this exact same thing happen. In Acts chapter 4, so Acts chapter 2, everything is going great. 3,000 people are added to the church in one day. People are meeting together in their homes. They're selling stuff. They're giving to the poor. They're meeting the needs of the people in the community. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John go to the gate called Beautiful. There's a man there who is crippled. And he says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I'm going to give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up, take up your bed and walk. And they heal the man. Because they healed the man and the miraculous took place, all the people in the crowds are starting to gather together. They're like, wait a minute. That's the guy who's been at the gate for years. And he's up running and dancing and shouting and everything. What happened? And they were able to again stand up and preach the word of God in boldness. But they got arrested. And they got told, you can't preach that anymore. You can't say those things. We'll let you go. But you got to stop preaching. Talk about being disheartened. Like take the winds out of yourselves type thing. So what did the disciples do? 
they gather together again and begin to pray. Acts chapter 4, verse 29, it says, Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant me your servants to continue to speak the word with all boldness. Like they're, they're being honest with where they are right now. God, they're going to put us in prison. They're going to beat us. They're, they're going to kill us. Got, we, we need you to fill us so that we can even continue to do what you're asking us to do. Verse 30, it says, while you stretch out your hand uh, to heal and signs and wonders are being performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And it says, when they had prayed, the place that they were in and gathered together was shaken. So Acts chapter 2 isn't the only place where the place was shaken. Acts chapter 2 wasn't the only place where you see the Spirit of God come in a, in a mighty way and in power. And No. Here, days later, they feel empty and they pray. And in that emptiness, God fills it. It says he shook the place and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They didn't just go try to do what happened in Acts chapter 2 again. Like they, they didn't try to recreate some environment or, hey, we got to get all 120 of us back together again and, and we got to go back to the upper room in Jerusalem because the last time when we were in the upper room in Jerusalem, that's when the Spirit of God fell. So if we can just get back to the last encounter that we have with the Spirit of God, and that's the problem is so many people in the church are trying to get back to an encounter that they had with God without realizing that God will offer the encounter again. And in different and sometimes better ways. He's not limited to move in one way. I grew up in a church that when a song hit and the Spirit of God moved, that was the song that you sang for the next three weeks at least. <laughs> and you didn't just sing it, you modulated that song. Y'all don't know what that is. Y'all like, what's modulate? What do you mean? So I'll, I'll give you a secret to how the presence of God falls in a room. Y'all ready for this? This really isn't it, but this is what they believe. That if you change the key and bump it up a key, like they sing it in this key here, but the minute that you go from G to A, oh, here it comes. Presence is going to fall. And my question is, why didn't we start the song in A to begin with? You know what I mean? If the Spirit of God falls in A, then sing everything in A. Let's roll with it, you know? They just gathered where they were. And they were real with where they were. They're threatening us. We're scared. We need boldness. I don't, I don't know what to do. And it says that they were refilled. And you know what happened? The exact same thing we saw in Acts, Acts, Acts chapter 2, you read in Acts chapter 4. And you can go look this up 
write it down, Acts 2, 42 through 46, that passage, and then compare it to what I'm getting ready to read to you, Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Remember, in one place, one accord. No one had anything, they said it belonged to themselves, but they shared everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus with great grace that was upon them. There was not a needy person that was among them for many who were owners of, of lands and houses. They sold them and they brought the proceeds and, uh, of what was sold and they laid it at the apostles' feet so that it could be distributed to the people that had need. Even had a man named Jonas that we know as Barnabas. Verse 36, they sold a field and belonged and he brought it and he laid it at the disciples' feet. Everything you read here is exactly what you read at the end of Acts chapter two. They had everything in common. They were spending time, they were meeting the needs of one another. They were doing all, all the things again. Why? When the spirit of God moves, you don't have to be told you need to have a small group in your home. You don't have to be told you need to pray. You don't have to be told you need to serve. You just naturally do it because that's who the Holy Spirit is. He empowers us and equips us to do the work of the ministry. And so many people get burned out and so many people get tired and they get weary and they wanna quit. And I'm trying to do these things, why? Because they had a form of the, like our GPS thing is what is based off of what you see in Acts chapter two, the small groups and, and prayer meetings and serving and meeting the needs of the community. That's what we've changed everything for the method of how we do ministry at our church. But listen, we can have all the right methods, but absence of the presence of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, it is just a method and it will not change people's eternities. But if we get people who understand how much we need the Spirit of God, not just us, me and Melody and Q and the worship team, but every individual understanding that they need the Spirit of God. Because God didn't call you to attend church and sit on a, a bench or a pew or a seat. He called you to activate and be a part of the body of Christ. That's why it says they all were together in one accord. They all shared things together. And because they did that, there was an awe among them because of what God was doing. And I'm telling you, God wants to bring the awe back. When we first started the church, we saw the awe. We saw people so excited that they would post stuff on Facebook a hundred times. They would, everybody they came in contact with, you gotta come, you gotta come. God's done, done something in my marriage. God's done something in my life. He wants to do something in your life. You gotta come, you gotta come, you gotta come, you gotta come. And because they were so persistent and you gotta come, people came. And when they came, they found Jesus. And marriages were healed. Salvations took place and baptisms took place. We've seen the awe, but it doesn't mean that God is done 
Like God wants the awe to continue until he comes back. Why? Because there's still people who need Jesus. And every one of you who claim to be a Christian, you have the spirit of God inside of you. But God wants you to experience the next level of thing. He doesn't just want you to have the sprinkling. He wants you to have the immersion to where it's not even work to tell somebody about you. You don't have to muster up the faith and, and, and you know, pray about it for three weeks before you invite somebody to church. Like it just comes out. It's just natural. Because you're full and running over the power of the Spirit. Holy Spirit is not something to be afraid of. He is someone that God gave us to do the work that he's called us to do. And it's not by our might. It's not by our power. It's not by our gifts that we can do these things. It is only by the Spirit of God. And that's not just in my life. Barnabas wasn't one of the 12. But you see what Barnabas did. Go read the book of Acts, how he traveled with Paul and then later with John Mark and things and the impact that he made for the kingdom of God. He wasn't one of the 12. And Apollos wasn't one of the 12. You see people throughout scripture that just caught the fire from the 12 or 11 that were left. And it spread and it took the world. And I'm telling you, that's exactly what God wants to do again. But we have to be hungry. And we have to realize our need for him. So that he can come. If the Holy Spirit would not force himself upon you. He's not going to make you do something that you don't want. He waits to be invited into your life. He waits to be welcomed in a place. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and share. For more content, to connect with us, or if you'd like to support this ministry by giving, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. We love you and have a great day.